Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Eastern Conference Preview. God, I hate previews. We just call it Eastern Conference Preview because that's what our bosses wanted to call it. We'll just talk about the East. And just to show you the irony um, that I have about the Eastern Conference Preview, Andrew Hahn and I have asked two people that are not only Western Conference people, but are in Seattle right now. Because today, we're, we're recording this on Friday, October 5th, and the NBA is back in Seattle, which means that Warriors beat writer uh, Nick Friedel is joining us from Seattle. Nicholas, hello. B, it's great to be with you, and it is great <laughs> to be around the Warriors every day after all those years with the Bulls and the Bucks and the Timberwolves. But you know the East, and that's why we're gonna. That's why we have you on. <laughs> that's right. Have so you? I'm here have for you, you? Had you? I don't remember when you started at ESPN. Had you ever covered a game in Seattle before tonight? No, and and I am so looking forward to this because I came here in high school on a on a class field trip, and this is before everything. Class went field to hell. trip? What the hell kind of high school did you go to? <laughs> a really you, rich you went one. to you went to high school in Orlando. That's a long ass <laughs> way from Seattle. I know, and I and I couldn't stand flying at that point, so I kept looking up at that map, and we took off in Orlando, and I kept telling my buddies. Wow, we're going a really far away, and it was like six hours before the time we actually got there. But oh so we tried God. to get into a game at Key Arena on this trip, and it was sold out completely. And I was crushed because I had always wanted to see a game in here. So seeing this game on Friday night with Kevin Durant uh, in his old city is going to be awesome. I just want to point out that this is publishing on Monday, so when you're Even talking still. about people. Okay. But even still, uh, okay. he can say that. We, we said that we're recording it on Friday. Okay. Andrew, what was, the, what was the best field trip you went on uh, in high school? Um, I think I went to the Museum of Tolerance several <laughs> times because I needed to learn some tolerance. <laughs> also, joining us, also joining us from Seattle, a, a rare home game. When I say rare... I mean rare. And yes, we're recording this on Friday. It's, it's publishing on Monday. Just deal with it. Um, a rare home game. Uh, Kevin Pelton. Uh, how do you feel about going to an NBA? You can go to a lot of WNBA games, but how do you feel about going to a W or an NBA game back home in Seattle tonight? Yeah, and not only an NBA game, but the last event at the arena before the, the renovations, the rebuild of it begins this winter. So it's going to be an emotional, nostalgic night with a bunch of Sonics legends in the house. And uh, I'm excited that Nick is here to double our Seattle bureau. <laughs> and uh, what was your best field trip in high school? Where was the farthest well, you went? I mean, we went to Seattle, too, but, you know, that was just like a 15-minute drive from right, the, the suburbs right, where big. I was going to high school. Uh, <laughs> right. But we, we often would go to the Seattle Art Museum where the, the uh, Hammering Man statue is. And this was always enjoyable as kids because across the street, uh, there was a, a very famous historic peep show. And the marquee ah, would always his, have a historic peep show, not just a peep show. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, would always have dirty puns on it, so that was really exciting <laughs> as a twelve-year-old. Awesome, awesome. 
Well, uh, my favorite moment in Key Arena was circa. What what was Jerome James last year as a member of the Sonics? Oh five. So it must have been during that season. Um, I was uh, covering the Cavs. The Cavs were in town, and uh, at the time, the beat writers sat on the court on the baseline right next to the visitors' bench. Um, and I was sitting in the closest seat to the actual basket. And Jerome James, as he is known to do, got into foul trouble early in the game. Then he got his second foul called on him uh, three or four minutes in. And I was looking down at my laptop. Back then, we didn't really take our laptops out to the court that often, except for when we were on the West Coast, because we had to file our stories immediately after the game ended. And uh, Jerome James got angry about the foul and got angry that he was in foul trouble and was getting pulled out. And he threw the ball at the barrier that was like the ad barrier that was in front of me where, you know, where they would have advertising. But it didn't hit the ad barrier. It hit me in the face. And I didn't see it coming and it clocked me in the face. And I remember looking over at the Cavs bench and sitting in the last seat in the Cavs bench, may he rest in peace, was Robert Tractor Trailer, who was laughing so hard at me that he fell out of his chair onto the ground. And uh, Jerome James was called for a technical foul, and LeBron took the uh, free throw, and he missed it. And after the game, I said, I cannot believe I took – I literally took one for the team, and you didn't even make the freaking free throw. (laughs) So that is my – What did Jerome James say to you? Anything? Oh, he – like overnight that night, he called and apologized. Wow. Uh, Like – and I swear to God, I think he was at a club. Um, I'm sure he I, was. I, I got, I got the, I got the voicemail, uh, cause I had turned my phone to silent. And, um, I, when I woke up in the morning, I had an, an apology and it was like loud pulsing music in the background, him apologizing for hitting me in the face. So, um, yeah. Well, so you, you yes. Better than, uh, there was a, there was a Lakers reporter, I forget who, but, uh, someone had a laptop destroyed when Shaq went over that, that. Barrier and, and went oh, into the media God. section in a game. You're lucky it was only the laptop that was destroyed. Right. Oh my right. God. Andrew, you're a big fan of uh, Sunbasket. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, I am a big fan of Sunbasket. Even so, I moved in the off season, and somehow I didn't tell Sunbasket, but they somehow figured it out, and the boxes are arriving to my new place, and I'm delighted because that means that I get to eat that day. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Let me just say, you're not good at laundry. Not good at laundry. That that I can verify uh, yeah. because you get down to the end of the of the laundry cycle and you kind of show up in some weird stuff. I'm just that's when like tuxedos come out and maybe I'm mixing and matching pajamas and suit jackets. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, he's you think he's making a joke, but I've seen it. Um, and cooking it's called fashion, Brian. Right, your fashion forward or something like that. <laughs> um, Sunbasket has 18 different weekly recipes, which is more options than ever for Andrew Hahn. Andrew, what are some of your favorite ones? Uh, let's see. What did I have? They had Korean barbecue skewers one week, and uh, they had something called harissa, which I didn't really know what it is, and I still don't know what it is, so I'm not going to bother to explain it. But like SoCal fish tacos, that was really good. I think harissa is a Middle Eastern uh, dish. I mean, if it is a Middle Eastern dish, then you can tweet Brian at Windhorst ESPN. (laughs) Is that your handle? Let him know what harissa is. 
Did you know that um, that uh, with Sunbasket you can get paleo, gluten free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, and family options? None of which I subscribe to, um, and even more. There's something for every healthy journey and every busy lifestyle. So go to Sunbasket.com/hoop today to learn more and get 35 bucks off your first order. That's Sunbasket.com/hoop. For 35 bucks off and to eat and live like Andrew Hahn. And he is one of America's leading influencers. Sunbasket.com <laughs> slash hoop. We're talking about the Eastern Conference and looking ahead to the season, um, starting here in a few days. And we'll start at the top, uh, I guess with, um, with where the, uh, the GMs and the odds makers, um, have the team that everybody expects to win the East to, to, to take over the Cavs title, although the Cavs are not uh, vacating it just yet. Um, the uh, Boston Celtics, who um, the Westgate Superbook has over under of 59 and a half wins. Um, and Kevin, uh, let me ask you this about the Celtics. Uh, we know that Kyrie said that he intends to sign with the Celtics next summer, and, and that makes sense on a number of different reasons. Uh, one, it takes the pressure off of him getting the questions this year. Two, they can pay him the most money. And three, it's not binding. So he gets adulation. And even if he changes his mind, I mean, you know, it doesn't really cost him anything. Do you think that the Celtics are prepared to pay Kyrie Irving $200 million next year? I know this is not a, a preview of this season. I'm just asking because it's on my mind. I think so. I mean, you know, for all the talk during the playoffs about, you know, what if they just trade Kyrie and, and make Terry Rozier the point guard after he played so well in that run? I mean, when you got into the meat of the Eastern Conference Finals, at some point the Celtics started having a difficult time scoring, particularly on the road. And, you know, in those situations, that's where Kyrie's value is, is well established. Like, we know what he can do at the very biggest stage in terms of his ability to uh, to create shots. And, you know, this this uh, the previous incarnations of this podcast have not always been the most kind to Kyrie Irving. And uh, I, I think that but the, most of those criticisms were about, you know, his defense and how he played during the regular season. And he solved all of that last year. He was a key cog in what was the league's best defense while he was healthy. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I think that if Kyrie is willing to commit, that I don't think there's any hesitation from the Celtics standpoint. And also, you know, look, he's still tradable once he signs that contract. Like, he's not going to lose his value. Yeah, I feel like it's just because of the, the injury history. That's that's why. Um, and um, But it's a it's a flush market next year. Um, so, obviously, Kyrie could get maxes at a lot of different places. So, probably it's not much of a choice. But I just know the Celtics, you know... There, there have been players in the past who've counted their max contracts before they were had arrived in the Celtics. Um, Nick, what's uh, your viewpoint of uh, what the Celtics got going? They've obviously got a lot of depth. they got a lot going for them this year. I love the Celtics, B. I mean, this team, having watched them a fair amount last season, they know exactly what they're doing on the floor. Brad Stevens has them in the right positions uh, repeatedly on the defensive end. Uh, and they really seem to trust one another no matter who's out there. It, it reminds me, frankly, of uh, like watching the Patriots. Uh, you know the system works. And you know, aside from maybe taking Tom Brady out of things, but even when Matt Castle was in there <laughs> years ago, they still found ways to win games. No matter who is on the floor, you know that they're going to find a way uh, to either win or be real close uh, in the end. 
and the fact that that depleted team took LeBron and the Cavs to seven games and lost at home, I mean, that tells you all you need to know in my mind as far as the East goes as we open things up this year. If somehow uh, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and, and that roster stays healthy, I don't see anybody this season being able to take them over, but this ties into what we were uh, discussing earlier. If you're the Celtics, yes, you sign Kyrie to that deal uh, because he's proven to be that kind of player. But I would be terrified uh, of investing that much money just because of all the knee issues uh, and and the injury concerns moving forward. Uh, If you told me that Kyrie could play 70 games and be ready for the playoffs, then absolutely. I mean, this is the team to beat for certain. Uh, But Given the last few years, I just don't know how that's a real safe bet. Yeah, I think um, we'll see how how the Celtics start because um, they're going to have to work into some new uh, roles a little bit. And I I know there's a lot of excitement about uh, Gordon Hayward coming back, but you know, I just I just remember when Paul George first came back from that injury, and even though he's a full year off of it, whereas George was like nine months or so or ten months off of well. Yeah, it was actually more like maybe 11 months, but I don't remember exactly. But whatever it was, um, I remember Paul struggled a little bit at the start. So I'm not expecting to see all-star level Gordon Hayward come out of there, come bouncing out in mid-October. But um, uh, And, you know, Jalen Brown, I think, is a guy who's going to have to change his role a lot. Um, he's gonna. He really benefited, you know, in quotes from uh, Hayward's injury last year in terms of his role and his, his, his uh, position within the offense. Um, so... Um, and you know, to me, like that team should run through Jason Tatum, and uh, I mean, he to me is is the uh, is the top end talent on the roster, and you know, we'll see how that plays with Kyrie, who has his hands on the controls, and a lot, you know, a lot, especially early to mid season last year, was Kyrie running the show with everybody else supporting him. So that'll be interesting. But I I agree with you guys. I think that they're loaded. Um, I, uh, I I what my favorite thing about them is kind of the different ways that they can play. They can play big, you know. They can put Aaron Baines in there and have him bruise around and put Horford a power forward. They can play small with an all wing lineup and all switch lineup because Horford is very versatile uh, defensively. Um, they can put out a, a great defensive lineup. They can put out more of a speed lineup. I mean, they can play Rozier and Kyrie together even um, in certain circumstances. Then they can play rugged with Marcus Smart. I just think that with, to, to be a championship team, you got to have sort of three or four pitches. Um, and that was one of the reasons why, uh, you know, LeBron's been so successful because he's such a versatile player. He can play so many different positions. His teams can play a lot of different ways. And so I think that's one of Boston's great, uh, great assets, uh, going forward to the season. Hey, uh, Brian, can I ask you something? Yes, Andrew Hahn. Oh, well, I'm going to ask you two questions now. Um, so Boston has the highest over under win total according to Vegas in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yes. Do you agree that they are the Eastern Conference favorites? I do, but I do not think it's the. I don't think it's the spread is as big as Vegas and the GMs. The GMs had them ninety percent to win the East. Uh, is um, I feel like uh, the Raptors, who are fifty five and a half uh, over under. Um, are a serious threat to them if they uh, meld together and they get a great Kawhi season. 
Oh, those are two okay. ifs. I agree. Um, and we didn't even talk about the, the, the wolves yet, or the, uh, the wolves, the, um, the Sixers yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think teams, I think sleeping on the Raptors is a mistake. Um, uh, and you mentioned, you, you mentioned Kawhi. So my other question was, uh, is Kyrie the best player in the Eastern Conference now? Cause the former no. best player is not, he's not in there anymore. So who is it? I don't think Kyrie is the best player on his team. I mean, I think Jason, Jason Tatum impressed me so much last year and I have just high expectations. You know, I've heard about his off season regimen, but Kevin, who do you think is the best player in the Celtics and who do you think is the best player in the East? I mean, I think it is probably still Kyrie until further notice, but it's reasonable to think that Tatum could ascend to that level this year. I think at this point, the best player in the East is either Giannis or Kawhi if healthy. I mean, you know, I think Giannis is going to have a season that where he is very much in the MVP conversation, if not wins the award. Yes, your thoughts on that uh, were on the record um, when we did our NBA rank special, uh, where you favored having Giannis ranked the same as Durant, and I think maybe even felt like he could have been ranked higher than Durant. Yeah, I mean, it really just depends all on the frame, you know, whether you're, if you're talking about it in the context of the regular season, I think there's little question in my mind that Giannis is going to have the better regular season than Kevin Durant. Now, in the playoffs, we haven't yet seen that because Giannis hasn't advanced past the first round. And I don't want to get into the Bucks section, but I think there's a chance for him to have a longer playoff run this year and maybe make that kind of impact. But obviously what KD has done in the finals the last couple of years, like at that level, there's there's no question that he's not only you know the best the best uh, better of those two players but you know other than LeBron it's hard to make a case for almost anyone. We in don't that have to follow up. We don't have to follow linear fashion. I'm the boss. We can talk about the Bucks here. Uh, their over okay. under is 48, um, which is healthy. Uh, Nick, you spent a lot of time with the Bucks last year. I felt like there were a lot of games uh, that could have been 50 50. There were 50 50 games for the Bucks. Clearly, a bunch of games in that Celtics series were 50-50 games that could have gone either way. Um, the Celtics ended up getting the two that were the most important uh, in 1-4-3. Uh, with, uh, Bud, with Mike Budenholzer as the coach, I feel like he can be a difference maker in some of those 50-50 games. I mean, what's your outlook on what you think the Bucks have? Yeah, it's better than Joe Prunty and Jason Kidd be. Uh, yeah, no offense to Joe Prunty. I mean, I I think Joe Prunty is a top line assistant coach, but I don't think that they I don't think that their coaching w- was outstanding at times last year. Yeah, I, I mean, this team. I watched them a whole lot last season, and the thing that would scare me isn't that they're still on the rise with Giannis because uh, I'm with KP. I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Kevin Durant by any stretch right now, but Giannis is incredible. Incredible, And if he learns to shoot consistently, uh, the, the sky really is the limit. And if you get that narrative behind him uh, in a new arena this season, then, yeah, I think he's got a legit MVP chance if he can show that the other uh, facets of his game are developing. But as far as the Bucks go, the thing that really concerns me, and this is the difference with, uh, with Bud and some of the pieces that they added, like, uh, Lopez and, and bringing back Ilya Silva, the roster guys just isn't very good. Uh, and that was the, the issue last season to me. Uh, I am not a fan of Eric Bledsoe. I watched him make 
far too many bad decisions uh, at, at various points and not get the ball into Giannis at, at critical times because he thought he could take over and win the game. That is not a recipe for success. Uh, I am a huge fan of Chris Middleton. I think he is a really, really good player who on uh, a different team outside of the, the, the Giannis spotlight would get even more uh, respect uh, throughout the country. And, and if he plays Dante DiVincenzo? Uh, not yet, (laughs) not yet, but, uh, you know, we got to see how these new moves play out. I'm just telling you, you know, you're, they're waiting on guys like Fon Maker, uh, was hurt and, and didn't really do much last season. I don't see it from the rest of that group. If you told me Giannis and Middleton, uh, we're going to stay healthy, then yeah, I think they were going to be right around that 48 win total, but they need other guys on the roster to help out more consistently to think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs. And I don't care who your coaches be. If you don't have enough talent on that roster, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do when all the chips are down. Well, Brogdon was injured a lot of last year. They didn't have the same Brogdon, and that was a factor. But I kind of agree. Um, you know, Middleton is their second best player. Um, but you know they don't they don't really have a whole they don't you don't look at the team and go man they got four or five you know guys like if you look at Boston and you say man they got four or five guys at any one time I, it's a fair point Kevin um, how do you feel about so to next point I had a conversation with uh, an executive in the league last spring where you know he felt the coaching was getting too much of the blame and the roster wasn't getting enough of the blame and that you know coaching change ah. might not make the difference because of you know, all the things that Nick outlined. Now, I do feel better about their roster this year, and the, sing- and the single biggest reason for that is Brooke Lopez. Dante DiVincenzo? Uh, <laughs> not DiVincenzo. He looked, he, looked, he, he looked really rusty the other night when they uh, saw them against Chicago when they looked fabulous. But Lopez, you know, now they don't have to rely on Thon Maker or John Henson or Tyler Zeller or the other, you know, I mean, flotsam that uh, was floating through the center position last year. They've got a legitimate NBA center now. And, you know, there are going to be matchups where I think Lopez is going to have a tough time staying on the floor in the playoffs. And, you know, maybe that's when we see the Giannis at center lineup again. And the other concern I would say I have about this team is the depth because, you know, Brogdon's now starting at the two. If he goes down, the rotation behind him, you got Pat Connaughton, who is a useful player, but there's not great depth there. But, you know, watching them play with more shooting with Brogdon and Lopez out there in Bud's system, uh, it's probably unfair to judge them on that preseason game because they were playing the Bulls, whose defense is atrocious. But it looked like everything you'd want to see out of a team with Giannis and, the, and those players around him. Um, okay, so let's go uh, a little bit east to, uh, to Philly. Um uh, before we talk about Toronto, um, by the way, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll be too late by this time. But I just just watched the highlights from JJ Redick going ten for ten from the field in uh, China, second game in China. I'll be looking forward to McMahon's uh, coverage of that one. Did um, McMahon put his uh, hand over his face again while that was happening? <laughs> like in Houston last year? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to see. I'll have to see. I'll check the tape. Um, uh, Vegas says uh, Philly at fifty three and a half over under. They have a couple of injuries already. Um, this team just can't stay healthy. Uh, Wilson Chandler is out for a while. I mean, he's. It feels to me like Wilson Chandler is always hurt. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair, but it just feels to me like he's always hurt. Um, he's already dealing with a hamstring issue, 
And Jared Bayless, who practically was hurt all of last year, is um, is he out indefinitely? Uh, I can't remember exactly what the time frame on that was. Um, Whether he's healthy or not, he's out indefinitely. Well, that's true. Um, but um, so you know, this is obviously a team that finished last season on a 16-game winning streak. Uh, I think they were 27 and five down the stretch. They, had, you know, if, if you draw the box, the last 35 games, I think they had the best record in the NBA. Um, disappointed against the Celtics in the playoffs, but they got a lot going for them. I, I would just say that. You know, it wasn't a make-or-break summer for them because they were able to sort of roll their cap over. They got uh, J.J. Redick to take another one-year deal. Uh, they'll they'll off. Uh, uh, they they use some cap space on Wilson Chandler, and he's expiring, and so is Jared Bayless. Um, so they will open some cap space again at a in a better market next summer. But they had a great opportunity to improve this team this summer, and. I don't know, maybe they would argue with me that they did because they would say well, they got Chandler, I think, for a second-round They got it. They got Chandler and a second-round pick. Is that right? Like they would maybe argue right, yeah. um, that that was a good trade. I, 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 I had high hopes for them this summer, and so they're essentially bringing back the same core. Um, uh, Chandler being the, uh, the addition there, and then obviously you have Markel Fultz, who was only sort of on the team in name only. So he's sort of almost like a value add uh, to the team. So, um, uh, Kevin, your viewpoint on, on where this team's going to be? I, I think you're right. If, if you think this team's going to be better this year, it's going to be because of internal development. And, you know, well, part of that is probably an additional year of experience for Simmons and Embiid. They already were quite good last year, so I think the biggest source of that is going to be Markel Fultz in his second season. Uh, he's starting right now alongside those two guys in place of Redick, who's coming off the bench at this point. They seem committed to that lineup, and you know Fultz, his form is still not where it was at Washington, where he shot a good percentage from three, although he didn't, didn't shoot great from the free throw line, which tends to be an important indicator of how you're going to shoot threes in the NBA as well. But he's at least taking them. He made one the other night. That was exciting to see. And you know, <laughs> yeah, that was them, big news. It, it really was. He, uh, I mean, he gives them another dimension with his size out there. You know, they, they they'll have no one shorter than six six in that starting lineup if they go with it. And you know, just a tremendous amount of versatility defensively. And then he also gives them a dynamic playmaker in a way that, in some ways, even Ben Simmons is not, since he's not really a pick and roll player the way that Fultz is. Nikki, I'm not buying this 76ers group at all, guys. Damn, he just uh, threw down the at gauntlet. At, at all. I, I, I don't think they have enough in late-game situations in the playoffs right now with this same group to think that they're going to be able to take any kind of uh, big step this season. Uh, they were 27-5. and five. I, I know that it's dangerous to, um, to only look at the last part of a season when not, not every team is trying. But um, especially the teams on their schedule. That's true. <laughs> but Tankathon Deluxe, baby. I know, but that I mean that's a, that's almost half the season. It's a pretty yeah. it's a significant you know, sample. That's a half season of taking. Come on now. <laughs> I mean would we consider them making would we consider them making the conference finals a big step? I mean I think that's realistic. I don't think, I think lo- that I don't know that's likely that's kind of what their goal would be, you know, and they're going to have to probably be uh, at least one really good team to get there. Uh, by the way, they also have um, 
their rookie Zaire Smith. I think that am I pronouncing that right? Like Zaire. 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 Um, he's also out with a Jones fracture. Not that he would have gotten a lot of uh, uh, time. Just what I was mentioning on their injuries. Not that he would have gotten a lot of playing time, but um, you know, look. Uh, to me, another thing that I like about them, they can play a lot of different ways. Um, they can play really big. They can play really small. Ben Simmons is uh, – I don't regret my vote for Ben Simmons Rookie of the Year for one second, even though um, he was outplayed postseason uh, by Donovan Mitchell. I feel like um, he's a perennial all-star, and I think uh, he will be a driver for this team. And um, – I, you know, I think Fultz can only get better. I, I, I don't think they're a championship team. In my mind, they're behind the Raptors and the, um, and so, and Vegas too. Vegas has them, um, behind, uh, they have 53 and a half over under. Um, as I said earlier, that's, that's, you know, I had them third in the East and I think they probably think that they should have every chance to win. Um, I still think they're a really good team. And if there's an injury somewhere else or there's something goes their way, they could, they could slip through and, and, and win the East. Yeah, but speaking yeah. of injuries, are we sure that Embiid has turned the corner here? That Embiid can stay healthy over the course of a, a full season and play back-to-backs and be that same player night in, night out? No, but I'm not convinced like- about Ka- Ka- Kawhi or Kyrie either. You know. So. Well, but here's the difference. The Celtics don't need Kyrie until the postseason. The Celtics have more than more than enough to get them <laughs> to a point where uh, they're fine in the regular season. If the Raptors lose Kawhi, pff, I mean, forget it. True. Uh, and, like Boston is so loaded on that roster as we start this season that they should just uh, be extraordinarily cautious with Kyrie until they need him the most. If if Philly loses Embiid, I mean that team. They are done, done, done. Don't you think Philly's primed to make a trade at some point, Kevin? Um, and I was—I I understand why they're not going whole hog for Jimmy Butler, because the ask might be one of their valuable players. But you know, they have an extra—they have an extra player or two, and uh, you know, I, I think they could potentially improve if they really want to go for it this year. If they smell that they can. For sure, yeah. I mean, they have the guys we talked about as being injured earlier, both Bayless and Chandler on expiring contracts that are kind of right in that size where you could pretty easily match salary if if someone wants to completely get off a bunch of salary or if you just want to go like expiring contract and a draft pick for a better player on an expiring contract. And that way you still have the flexibility for free agency this summer, but you're also a better position for the, the stretch run. Right. right. They also uh, have a guy like uh, uh, Dario Saric, who uh, a lot of people like in the league and value a lot. And you know, yes, they value him too, but he's not one of their two best players. Um, and if they could get another a third big three guy in there next to him, beating Simmons by including Saric in a deal, they'd have to consider it. Yes, Andrew Hahn. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Philadelphia had some GM problems towards the end of last season. <laughs> And they have a new general manager in Elton Brand there now. Is that probably a limiting factor in their ability to upgrade in season? Well, I think it affected what they did this summer. You know, um, they really were not able to get anything of, of note done this summer. Um, and 
we'll never know if Brian Colangelo was still there. Would they have been able to close a deal with one of the free agents? Or would they have been able to, to, to make a move? We just won't know. But I know that it, you know, I had high expectations for them this summer and they, they not, they were not able to make a major move and their timeline in the, with the way they handled their GM search was very odd. Um, it's very unusual to hire a GM on the eve of training camp. And what it appears that they've done here is they've sort of straddled the line. Uh, they didn't want to hire, they didn't want to have Brett Brown be their GM because, or president or what have you, because they know that that's not a good formula, that it almost never works. And we've seen it fail. You don't think it's numerous. working in Minnesota, B? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I said the other day on this pod, um, you know, when 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 all the when all who started it, it was Doc, right? Who started and got both titles. Yep. Um, he got and, both and, checks. Uh, he got both checks for sure. Um, uh, there was some incredible chatter in the league uh, after. Oh, I won't even say it. Um, let's just say that there. Some people have thought that. Doc made out better than just about anybody in the league over the last few years. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Doc started it, and then we had Flip Saunders, who passed away, and Thibodeau replaced him there, and, you know, Budenholzer. Stan and, Van. Uh, Stan Van, and there's one more I'm forgetting. Uh, it was a gang of five. Um, but here we are, and, you know, I don't know how long Tibbs is going to hold on to it, and it's still going to be Greg Popovich who's able to do it the best. But what they did was they basically hired a quote-unquote weak GM. You know, if you go across the league, there's strong GMs and weak GMs. Sometimes GMs uh, matriculate from strong to weak or weak to strong. Um, and so they could have gone out and hired a more powerful name that would have challenged Brett Brown in terms of control, uh, in terms of who had a stronger voice. And they elected to go with a young, up-and-coming guy who may end up being a fabulous um, executive down the line, but is not going to really probably challenge Brett Brown too much. So, um, and I like Brett Brown a lot, but he was a guy whose grip on his job wasn't too strong a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden now he's the most powerful guy in the franchise. It's just interesting the way it goes. And frankly, if I was a 76ers fan, I wouldn't care who was the GM, just as long as some more talent got brought in. And um, I would say that over the last few years, that has not been tremendous decision-making by the front office. Um, the Fultz pick, uh, the Fultz swap did not come off smelling like a rose, at least early on. And when that Sacramento pick transfers to Boston, and it could be as high as two, um, it could look even worse. Um, and so they just haven't been able, I mean, Brian Colangelo got there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did he, he didn't draft Ben Simmons. He drafted Ben Simmons, right? He did draft that. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well then I have to amend that a little bit, but, um, he drafted Ben Simmons because the team was set up to lose before he got there. But it was a question mark at that point. I mean, there were there were people who thought Ingram was the better of the two prospects, and you know, well, well, he's promising. I don't think anyone would say that now. Well, my point is, I don't think that they've taken the the step forward after the draft um, to to get that ne- to get the, to, to elevate themselves on a higher level. So, 
Um, yeah. That'll be the pressure for Elton Brand and Brett Brown to uh, to figure out how to do that. But um, and, all right, so let's talk about Toronto. Uh, let's see, what does Vegas have them at? Uh, fifty-five and a half. Fifty-five and a half, second best uh, uh, win prediction in the East. Um, yep. I think this is a really good team. Um, and caveat, caveat, caveat that Kawhi has to be himself, but I see again tremendous flexibility with their lineup. Uh, I think we're going to see the emergence uh, of OG Ananobi. He was one of the best rookies last year. Didn't get a whole lot of attention just because of the nature of the, uh, the already great rookie class and that he played in Toronto. I, I, if I was uh, San Antonio, I would have prioritized getting OG Ananobi. The fact that they were able to keep him out of that deal, I think, was a victory for the Raptors. I think he he can play, he can defend probably about seventy percent of the league effectively. Um, uh, you put him next to Kawhi. Um, you you put him next to a uh, uh, a very versatile guy in uh, in Pascal Siakam, who's very very versatile defensively. Um, you you know you look at Fred Van Vliet, who can play multiple positions. Um, really came into his own last year. You know uh, Kyle Lowry is still an All Star uh, level player. Uh, I just love the defensive intensity and flexibility on this roster. I mean, Any concerns, guys, a... about Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse is this you know lifelong assistant who moves down into a team that you know could conceivably go to the finals. Yeah, How, what is the concern uh, level? He just replaced the their coach head of the coach year. Who, yep, Dwayne <laughs> Casey. I mean. How concerned should a Toronto fan be that here's this guy who's seemingly come out of nowhere uh, to replace the coach of the year on a team that's expected to contend for a finals berth? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they would have made the same move if they knew they were going to get Kawhi, you know, a couple months later. I mean, the the job sort of like, you know, I think I think. Brian may have made this comparison in the past. It's sort of like when David Blatt was hired before the Cavs got LeBron and the job changed a little bit. But, you know, I think the big difference here is Nick Nurse has been around this group of guys. He's, you know, proven what he can do. And he, you know, I think probably rightfully gets a lot of credit for the way that second unit played last year, where they shot a ton of threes, got to the basket, almost nothing in the mid-range. And if you look at the Raptors so far in the preseason, that's how the whole team has been playing. And, you know, obviously trading DeMar DeRozan is a big part of that, although Kawhi, you know, does have a tendency to shoot some some pull-up, you know, jumpers in isolation, some of those long twos. But oh, you know, I think that's going to be... Isn't he maybe the, the league leader in pull-up threes? Yeah, he, I mean, he shoots a lot. I mean, Harden's the, the, uh, the leader. Oh, right, think, but right, right. He, he's in there. He was two years ago. And... You know, that, the thing I love about this team is the number of wings they have. That's the most difficult position to get in the modern NBA. You mentioned it. Right, I didn't even, I didn't even mention Danny Green and C.J. Miles. Nope. Yeah, and uh, DeLon Wright is in that mix. Like, right. They've just got so many options if they're going small, and I think that's what's really going to be an advantage for them. So I'm looking forward to next week when our Eastern Conference picks comes out, come out and there's going to be a sea of Boston logos uh, on that page, and just that one little Toronto logo next to oh. me. Oh, oh, look at you! So, KP. so uh, now is this is this the Shaney method, or is this just uh, is this your computer saying this, or is this your your viewpoint? I mean, they are tops in the uh, the, the real plus minus projections that uh, that I do uh, using using our uh, system that uh, developed by Jerry Engelman. Um, 
But I, I think beyond that, you know, it's like, look, I get the whole Toronto and the playoffs thing, but number one, that was against LeBron, and he's not there anymore. And number two, I heard. I think a lot of that was, yeah, yeah they got reported. <laughs> number two, I think a lot of that was DeRozan, quite frankly. I mean, they were they were at their best in last year's series against Cleveland in games where DeRozan got benched in the fourth quarter. And he's phenomenal yeah. in the regular season, helped them win a lot of games. You know, Kawhi will have to be healthy for them to be as good during the regular season. But I think that is a massive, massive upgrade in terms of star talent. And a case, you know, a situation where previously they were coming up short against Cleveland in particular. But now I think they go into any series in the East if Kawhi's healthy, at least on par and and probably with the better team. They're actually kind of built. So, you know, Nick was talking about uh, Nick Nurse being a. a, you know, a, a high level assistant. He he was a head coach in the D League for the uh, Rio Grande Vipers. Um, is it Re- Rio Grande or Rio Rio Grande? Rio Rio Rio. Yeah, we've been having pronunciation I, problems today. You sound. I know that you, the people are going to make fun of me and say I'm an asshole for saying that, but um, in Ohio, there's actually a college uh, that's on the river that's spelled R I O and they pronounce it Rio. So. Um, that's where I came from. So, I, of course, I know it was just a brain fart by me. Um, but uh, anyway, um, so basically, they played they played down there um, the same way that the that the Rockets were playing up in Houston, and that's the way Nick. I think did they did they win a D League title? I think did Nick lead them to a D League title? I'm, I can't remember, but um, it you know, like that change your opinion of him. If he no, did. I mean. No, uh, I'm just the saying. The 2011 like, D League title, right? So, uh, you know, playing in, you know, and, and really that was even more of an incubator back then for for the way Daryl Morey wanted to play than the way the Rockets eventually started playing now, which was high tempo layups and three pointers. And so, this is how Nick Nurse believes the game should be played. This is this is basically a he is basically a branch of the Rockets tree, and um, with a whole bunch of wings. They're kind of built like the Rockets were to try to deal with the Warriors in a in a string. I mean, they are they don't get the credit for being constructed that way, but that's how they've been constructed. And when they traded Demar, they traded him for two, uh, you know, really good defensive wings. Um, although I guess Danny Green's defense may have, you know, is it. Is it slightly down from where it was in recent years, Kevin? But um, still, I think, I think uh, a half step down. Uh, I know his three point shooting is down. I mean, I I always think of Danny Green in the 2014 Finals, where the dude like didn't touch the rim on a three pointer. Um, I always think of him like that. His his career percentages actually aren't that sterling, but uh, we, we certainly were so a two way Danny Green final. We were so close to Danny Green Finals MVP. Oh man, he was tracking. He was tracking. Um, instead, it went to his teammate Kawhi. Um, no, that was the year they, or uh, that was the year they lost, wasn't it? Uh, no, oh, thirteen was the year I thought that he made all the threes. Yeah, I. What? Maybe my memory is really going, but I thought it was fourteen. He couldn't miss. I don't think. I don't think any of the the Spurs missed very much True. in two thousand fourteen. Um, 
So anyway, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Nick, you bring up a really good point is, you know, all the, all the cards are on the table for the Raptors this year. I mean, you know, Kyle Lowry is not getting any younger. Serge Ibaka is not getting any younger. Um, and they have to do really well to keep Kawhi interested. Maybe you don't want to have a rookie head coach, uh, at the controls. It's not an ideal situation. Uh, that said, I think Nick Nurse is, you know, I understand why they made the bet. Uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting. This is Masai's first head coach hire. He's been a GM, man, for almost what, maybe eight or nine years. This is the first coach that he hired. Um, it's, you know, he's sticking his neck out a little bit to fire Dwayne Casey to hire Nick Nurse, but I kind of think it's kind of the same scenario about why the Raptors ended up benching uh, DeMar at the end of a couple of those games in the conference. Well, it wasn't, the, it was the conference semifinals, but against the Cavs because the numbers and everything and their research said that DeMar, you know, they were, they were better when with on the bench. And I think, you know, it, 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 it took Dwayne Casey to stick his neck out to bench DeMar because he was the right thing for the organization. Well, you know, Masai believes the right thing for the organization was to make this change, um, to promote the assistant off of, uh, off, off of the best team in Raptors history, regular season at least. Um, you know, I, I respect the hustle. Uh, I think one of the things that Masai has is that he knows if Kawhi walks, um, this team is still positioned to build for the future. They're still young and they can, they can position themselves. But I actually think that they are primed to make and an in-season trade as well. Like, let's say the Jimmy Butler situation doesn't get resolved, um, and he's still available in a couple of months. They have the assets to pull it off, and um, you know, I don't. And especially if they're going to go all in, all in, I wouldn't rule out them doing a trying to look for a deal like that. That team would be fun to watch defensively with Kawhi and Jimmy together. Uh, trying to to lock down any wing out there. I mean, that would be a hell of a lot of fun to see them going against the Golden State in this case. A hell of but, a gamble with both of them being free agents. <laughs> but well, and 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 that's why I understand what Masai is going for in this sense too, though, be because yeah, you've got these younger pieces and they could rebuild. Although if you go and trade for Jimmy in this dream scenario for Toronto, you're going to obviously give up uh, a few of those pieces. But if it doesn't work, you can hit the button. And that's what we've seen so many times in the last few years in this league. You've got teams that are going for it all, or you've got teams that are going to press the button on the rebuild. So Toronto is setting themselves up to either make the finals and push Golden State, assuming they're healthy, or it all falls apart and you can hit the button and start fresh in a new season and take a lot of that pressure, in this case, off Nick Nurse in his second year. Um, all right, now we come to uh, maybe the team I'm most anxious to see what happens with in the East. Do you want to guess who it is? Detroit. Wizards? Negative. Andrew Hahn? Um, the Heat. No. Oh, I don't know. The Pacers of Indiana. What? The Indiana Pacers. That's right. Guys, I think this team is going to be good. Uh, Really good. Um, So over 48 wins good? I kind of think so. 
Is that what their number is? Forty eight. Yeah, that's it's, what their number is from Vegas bit. right now. I kind of think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's a couple of question marks. Uh, you know, they, they 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 paid Tyreek Evans. I guess it's a shorter deal, but they really paid Tyreek Evans. You know, Tyreek Evans had a great year last year. Um, I can't. I have to admit, you know, Kevin, I, I'll defer to you because I'm sure you know more about this uh, than me. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Grizzlies action last year, uh, but boy, Tyreek Evans had a really good year, and they they added him. I I think they overpaid for Doug McDermott, um, but nonetheless, he's on the roster. Take Fink out of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> they overpaid for wow. Doug. I really like uh, Doug, but Mark Bartlestein strikes again there, baby. Wow. But. But I yeah. and they also got Kylo Quinn, who I I like. I mean, I liked their moves in the off season were low key, impressive uh, to me. And guys, they should have they should have beat the Cavs in the, in the playoffs last year. Uh, Oladipo yeah. was the real deal, two way dominating player. Uh, I couldn't believe how how good uh, Boyan Bogdanovich played. Uh, I can't believe it would carry over. But, you know, Demata Sabonis fits into exactly what they want. Um, and, you know, we'll see if Miles Turner extends before October 15th deadline. Um, I don't know if he will or not. It, I haven't seen a lot of reporting on it, and I don't really have any insight. Um, but let's just say for the sake of my point here that he doesn't extend. You're going to have Thaddeus Young and Miles Turner uh, playing on, um, uh, and uh, I think uh, Bogdanovich and Darren Collison. Uh, all playing in contract years. Um, I think it's primed for there to be. I, I just think I just think that they're a sneaky team. I think they're very well coached. I think they've been smartly put together, and I, I really like their off season. Guys, what do you think? The thing I liked about the off season is, you know, they could have said we had this great year, we surprised everyone, let's run it back, and they they were con- they weren't content to do that. I mean, they did bring back. Bogdanovich and Collison, who had non-guarantees, uh, Collison in particular being a, at a really good number for them. But you know now they can have, as you mentioned, uh, the, the benefit of not extending Turner is his cap hit's going to be relatively low next summer. So they're looking at, you know, you could have the core of Turner and Oladipo and Sabonis and have max money next year. Not that you know Indiana is a destination for free agents, but you know that's great flexibility. Or you could could decide to run it back at that case and resign those guys. Uh, I thought it was a great number for them for Evans. If I were running the Lakers, he would have been my number one target after signing LeBron. I thought he was a perfect fit for, there because not only can he handle the ball and you know uh, play point guard a little bit if you need him to, as he has early in his career, he's also become a really good spot-up three-point shooter and someone you have to defend out there. So I think he's a great fit either you know playing with Oladipo or kind of running the show with that second unit. Uh, didn't love the McDermott contract for all the reasons we went into, but uh, I mean yeah, they I needed shooting. That, they needed shooting. Yes, but and they got it in both McDermott for and twenty-two Nets. million dollars. <laughs> hey yeah. man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I uh, I live in Omaha, <laughs> yeah, Nebraska. I know what to tell you. Don't do it. <laughs> they 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 loved it out here. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I bet they did. I bet they did. I mean, Look, I, I, I still don't Pacers. think this team is going to be. Yeah, go go for it, man. Well, I was going to say, I see the, the Pacers, and the only thing that scares me is it seems like the hype train for this team 
is off the charts. And maybe it's the old Vegas in me, guys, and, and losing so much money out there with Mr. Han. But <laughs> when everybody's jumping <laughs> in on, oh, man, this team's going to be great. This team's going to be great. They're ready to take the next step. That's when I start to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did they just get hot last year? Uh, and did they get to a place where uh, they just overachieved a little bit? Uh, and I'm not certain that Oladipo can be that superstar player that he showed uh, at, at various points last season and certainly in that playoff series against LeBron. I mean, this goes back to the trainer uh, sending out that Instagram right after that, that Cavs series ended. Oh, man, he's ready to get even better. And that's all well and good. And I like the pieces they have in place, but I, I'm with you. I mean, sometimes you get one of these teams that, that overachieves one season, and everybody wants to anoint them uh, the, the next year. And for whatever reason, whether it's the talent just isn't the same or isn't playing as well together or injuries, it just seems like they're, they're never able to li- live up to expectations. So Even if Oladipo uh, well, is the same player as he was last year. I yeah, like I mean, look, the <laughs> optimism, I, I see why people would have it. I understand why you would have it be. But the Pacers, as far as a team that can really challenge in the East and make noise to a point where you think they have a legitimate chance at the end, I don't see that from them this season. I think right, uh, you're on the record. I think Collinger used to call it a consolidation year when you have those young teams that really make noise the year before and then they take kind of a step back the following year they have the same win total uh at 48 do you do you still prefer indiana over uh, to be to make some noise like do you prefer them over milwaukee well i wish i was getting better odds on indiana but the the sheet i'm looking at here all the odds are minus 110 so um i would like the pacers to be more underrated i i uh you know the odds being the same i would probably no, I'm forget it. I'm taking the Pacers, taking the over. I'll take the wow. over on the Pacers. Okay. Um uh Wizards. Um fascinating team yet again. Uh their number is forty five. Um I don't know what to think of this team, guys. Uh you know, to me, I feel like I'm saying the exact same thing about them that I said last year, which is that uh a lot of it they really need Otto Porter to show up as a hundred million dollar player. Uh I don't know if he can be. I think he's the swing player. I don't I'm not a hundred percent convinced of his health. He's had these hip issues. Um, you know, we I don't really uh, I just don't think that Dwight Howard is a difference maker. I could be wrong. Um maybe I am wrong. Uh I know Jeff Green isn't it isn't a difference maker. He'll help you some days and he'll hurt you others. Uh, their other big move in the off season was um, Austin Rivers. Uh, what do you think about? You think that makes any difference for them, Kevin? I mean, I think we can talk about all these other moves, and and I will defend Otto Porter, who I think fits into that group where you know he is a really good three and D role player, and you know you put him in a, for a setting million. in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the going rate these days. You, would you rather have Chandler Parsons at that that amount? Uh, no, fair point. <laughs> Uh, I, I think this season really hinges on John Wall more than anything. Like, he wasn't healthy last year. He wasn't very effective last year. And, you know, if he's back to that John Wall of two years ago where he's getting to the basket all the time and is this explosive, dominant, athletic force, 
then you know I think they got a chance to to pay me maybe contend for home court again. But if he struggles like he did last year, then I think the rest is kind of window dressing. I look at the Wizards, and the only words that come into my brain are same old story. Oh, what's going to happen this year with John Wall and Beal and Porter? We know what's going to happen. They're not good enough. This team is never good enough. You spent all this money on these guys together. They are they an are expensive not roster. They are they, expensive they're roster. just not good enough. If you're running the Wizards, you hit the button. Because this team, wow. as it's constructed, will never be what you want it to be. So why continue making these these hopes for the future when you know year after year when you watch this group that they are not good enough to make it happen together? Wow, that's a take right worth there. Aggregate it. Is it? Could they hit the button though? I mean. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, John Wall's got the, one of the largest contracts in NBA history, and I don't think Otto Porter is a plus contract. Bradley Beal, you could certainly move, um, right? But um, uh, you know, I thought Bradley Beal would have been interesting to bring forward in a uh, Kawhi uh, trade, um, but um, who knows? Um, all right. Uh, speaking of big numbers. The Miami Heat salary situation. Good God. Uh, the Heat have the highest uh, payroll in the NBA. Uh, it depends on how, how much you include uh, Chris Bosch in that. Um, I don't know if I don't know if the it's not it's obviously not on their books. I realize that, but this is yes. the last year of Chris Bosch. They may have spread. It a little bit, but uh, if you take uh, Bosch out, they're uh, I think fifth highest. Um, I mean, the reason I say the reason I say the reason I include Chris Bosch is this: when you're the Miami Heat and you're trying to evaluate what you're going to try to trade for uh, Jimmy Butler and evaluate how much you're willing to spend, uh, you have to compute what you owe Chris Bosch. I mean, it may not show up on your um, on your NBA books, but that money has to go out. Um, so, uh, just keep the, you know, I just, you know, tell you being around the heat, you know, they don't, they don't love to spend money. Um, and so I, I just think that's a, that's an issue, but what we have with the heat is a whole bunch of guys. Uh, they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six players making, um, over $12 million this year. Only one of them has ever been an all-star and that was Garan Dragic and he was an injury replacement, but okay. He was an all-star. Um, we have a couple of guys who are are banged up. Uh, Dion Waiters had a very serious foot injury last year, uh, and James Johnson is still not back from uh, off-season hernia surgery, which is alarming. Um, but yet, they have a lot of things going for them in terms of their tight their style of play, and um, you know they they have a couple of really nice young players, uh, Josh Richardson and Baum. Bam Adebayo being up there. And then, of course, you've got the Dwayne Wade uh, factor who's on this retirement tour, and I don't know how that's going to figure. It's like the, the Heat are kind of uh, – they can go a lot of different directions here, but really they're just a uh, – at the end of the day, they're a high-priced average team. Um, and if you're a Heat fan, you're going to love them because they're going to play hard uh, for the most part and because that's how Eric Spolstra plays them. But – 
they're still at the end of the day a very expensive average team in my mind. Uh, let's see what Vegas has them at. Um, where are they? Forty-two and a half. So you know they're basically calling them a five hundred team. They're a try-hard team a with a championship over. level payroll, which is a joke. That's right. Since since when did Pat Riley chase down mediocrity so hard? I mean, that's when you look at this Miami team, they are the definition of average. This is an average team with an insane payroll. Uh, it could go a lot of different directions, sure, but do any of those d- directions lead towards the front of the East or close to it? No. So well, what, what if the they trade for your you boy doing? Jimmy Butler? That's not enough. I mean, I, that, that's just not enough. That, that's, that doesn't even put them, I don't believe, in that, that top tier home court advantage, uh, in the East. I mean, Jimmy is a hell of a player, but Jimmy's hurt a month, month and a half of every season. And then if you're Miami, are, are you thinking about potentially finding some way somehow to extend him in the summer? I, I, I just, I don't like the way that this that's roster. What they, that's why they would trade for. Right. I don't like the way the roster is constructed. I don't see, uh, I don't see which way they're headed. And even if in this pipe dream, if they can find a way to land Jimmy, Jimmy and what? Like Jimmy gets you into the postseason for sure. Maybe. Uh, I mean, they're going to make Spolster the running the show. Right, right. But I'm saying with Spolster running the show, you know, maybe you get out of the first round. But where are you going? Like, where are you going if you're Miami after all those years of chasing titles? You are chasing the middle right now, and it's stunning uh, the last couple of years. I'll tell you where they're going. Watching it unfold. They're going to the Bahamas in May. Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that Tyler Johnson contract really kind of messed everything up. It, it, it's what forced them to spend so much money because they were like, look, this cap space is going away. We got to use it now or or forever hold our peace. And now that the bill is coming due for that with the uh, Oh, it's coming due, baby. It's coming due, baby. Making $19 million this season, uh, nearly 20 the next. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with Nick that I think even if they get Jimmy Butler, depending on what the parameters of that trade would be, they're probably at best still in that kind of Indiana-Milwaukee tier, uh, hoping to get home court advantage, hoping to get the fourth seed. And I, I would further say that I think, you know, again, it depends on what the rest of the deal would be. But if you ask me, would you do, if it worked, would you do Josh Richardson for Jimmy Butler straight up? I wouldn't do it because Josh Richardson is on such a nice contract. Yeah. Um, Tyler Johnson next year is a $19 million player option. You think he's picking that up? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how about uh, the Detroit Pistons? Um you know, I, the Pistons really, really, really want to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they believe that uh, making the playoffs would be a great uh, accomplishment. Vegas has them at 38 and a half. Will the Detroit Pistons make the playoffs? Yes. All my stock that I bought last year from Mr. Hahn and others went bust. <laughs> so what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm running it back, baby. I'm buying it all up as far as over 38 and a half in a playoff berth. Because if they stay healthy, which is a key for all these teams, but if this group stays healthy, uh, which includes Reggie Jackson, who was out for uh, several months last year, 
I think they've got enough certainly to get in the playoffs in the East, and I think they've got enough to get over 38 and a half. Now, I, I don't think this team long term has any chance to to contend for uh, for a finals berth or anything. But they're going to be better than what they've shown if they can keep their core guys on the floor under Dwayne Casey. I, I agree with that. I, I think, like, first off, if you're going to say they're not going to make the playoffs, well, who else is in the East? And maybe there's another Pacers situation where a team that we're not expecting comes out of nowhere. But you don't look at anyone else on paper and say that they're going to be better than Detroit this year. I mean, you know they're going to defend their asses off under Dwayne Casey. The teams always do that. And I thought a sneaky good signing for them was uh, Glenn Robinson III for you know relatively little money. I think he'll be a, a good wing for them, a bit of an upgrade over James Ennis in that spot last year. Um, Andre Drummond is shooting threes. <laughs> you like this? I, I was, a lot of guys are shooting threes during the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. Uh, I, actually, I think, uh, you know, I don't know where Blake Griffin's head is at. Um, it's kind of a referendum-type season for him. Um, you know, they traded for him in this big, splashy move. It, they didn't make the playoffs. The coach and president got fired. Uh, Blake, if you're this guy who's going to lead a team, let's do it. I mean, um, um, to me, I to me, it's kind of a referendum season on him, on where he is in his career. Um, all right, the Cleveland Cavaliers, four-time defending Eastern Conference champions. Can they make it number they, five? No. Vegas <laughs> says. Can they the make it to 35? <laughs> Vegas says it's not even going to be close to that. The, the over-under for the Cavs is 31. Uh, that is not a playoff team number. Um, the Cavs can go two ways here, uh, and I think they've kind of set themselves up to go one of two ways. They can either play their veteran type players, the George Hills, J.R. Smiths, um, uh, Kyle Korver, uh, Tristan Thompson, or they have this cadre of young guys, Colin Sexton, Jetty Osman, Auntie Zizic, uh, you know, um, who else am I forgetting? I know they traded for Sam Decker. I don't know if he's going to get much time. Um, Rodney, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance. And so to me, I don't think the Cavs would ever announce this, but what I, you know, I, I do think they would love to make the playoffs. Um, just for a lot of reasons, even though they have this, this, their first round pick is top 10 protected. And so I think that the Cavs, if I was guessing, would get to January and see where they are. If they're in six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, I think they keep on keeping on, maybe try to upgrade a little bit. If they're 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, I think maybe they look to see if there's a market to move George Hill, to market to move Kyle Korver. They just don't play J.R. Smith at all, play their younger kids more. Um, and that's what I think their plan is. But they quietly feel like they're going to be a playoff contender. I, I think I would be inclined to go over 31, but like if the number was like 33 or 34, I would probably – Say under, so it's probably well positioned. But I, I kind of think this is a team that's primed to finish ninth. They'll be just good enough to lose a lot of nights, a lot of games where LeBron carried him home last year. It won't carry him home this year. I, I think they're going to be worse than that. I think you know, not in terms of the final number, but I think it'll be a season kind of like the Kings last year, where they started out with all those veterans. And, you never want you know, to be compared to those Kings. guys. And, never. <laughs> no, you really don't. You really don't. Uh, 
But then a couple months into the season, they realized, as you said, this isn't working and start sitting those guys and start trying to, to sell off pieces where they can. Nikki? I don't understand why in the hell they didn't trade Kevin Love. Explain well, they can still to me. trade him. He's still. Trading. I know, but but what what are they? What are they doing? They're living in a past that's not there anymore for a future that that looks a hell of a lot cloudy to the rest of the world than it does to some of the people in Cleveland. Well, some of it is asset. Some of it's asset protection. Kevin could have opted out over this year. He could have probably gotten if he has. If he doesn't get hurt, he's he was going to get max or near max money. They protect the asset. He was eligible to get a no-trade clause and did not – I think he was eligible, right? Eight and four, right? Um, did not get it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's highly doubtful he will play all five years with the Cavs. But, Look, but yes, I, I, I will say that it was a bit of a hubris move by the Cavs. <laughs> to, right. yeah. I understand how difficult it is to go through a rebuild. I mean, it's it's ugly. It's it's gross. No fan wants to watch it. No executive wants to deal with it. But when the alternative is, oh man, maybe we can run down that eight seed in the East. Give me a break. <laughs> like, give me a break. Nobody really wants to watch that either. That because that doesn't. Well, they help do in you. Detroit. I'm telling you yeah. something. They do in. Do Cleveland, they though? They do they're, they're not filling that place. They're not filling up little yeah. seasons they're not either. Anything. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> let's just run through these last teams. Um, Orlando also over under thirty one. Um, they gave Aaron Gordon seventy some million dollars. Uh, I don't. You know. I, I, I think Mo Bamba could be an interesting guy. Uh, he has some Embiid qualities in him. Um, not really feeling this roster still, uh, uh, Kevin. I uh, feel the same way. I mean, their, their point guard rotation is DJ Augustine and Jerry and Grant, so that's not inspiring oh. much confidence. <laughs> Apologies oh. to your hometown magic, Nick. Anytime you, oh, anytime you bring up an ex-bull, you, 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 you get his reaction. It's I was going to say two ex-bulls, and it's, it's horrible because this is my <laughs> team. You guys know this. This is my – this was my – my love growing up, I went with my family to Magic Games at the old Orlando Arena, and then when they built this new place, I've gotten to see it over the years. To see how irrelevant this team is, it makes me so sad. And I like John Hammond. I think they're trying to to get things together. The, the Bomba pick could work. Isaac, guys, he's You like the uh, Mozgov acquisition? Tino uh, no, hell no. But, but uh, that's a, a whole other story, and we don't have enough time here. But don't you remember those like... days? It's your Orlando Magic, Magic, Paul Porter. Magic, Magic. Shout out to my man Paul Porter, who I believe is still there as the PA guy. But but guys, what in the hell are the Magic doing? They're trying what to trade the Nico. Nikola Vucevic, but they have been for four years. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. They're they're just what, stuck in place. It's awful. But DJ which, Augustine yeah. and Jaron Grant. Oh my God! <laughs> With those are your what, point guards to start the season. Help! Help! Hey, SOS. Andrew. This does not work. Andrew, watch this trap I'm about to set. Kevin, <laughs> which um, which contract did you like better, Aaron Gordon or Zach Levine? <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. I actually like that Aaron Gordon contract. I I think. Uh, I wish they'd stop trying to play him as a small forward, but I think if they play him as a power forward, he's pretty good. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, um, 
I assume they're still quasi tanking this year, right, Nick? I mean, and they got a they took a blow with Lori Markinen with the elbow injury. Um, listen to this guy. I, I just. Uh, I, but I Wendell Carter, only, Rookie of the Year candidate. I, I can only imagine, B, that this was your life when you left Cleveland and you went down to Miami, and yet everybody still asks you about Cleveland and what's going on there and what's happening. <laughs> No matter where I go from now until the end of time, people are going to ask me about the Bulls. And I, I was around that team for a decade. <laughs> and, and what a decade it was. But, man, oh, man. There were number one seeds gonna, in there, sir. Oh, man. They're, they're, they're not going to play defense. They're not going to play defense. My my feelings on the, the Levine contract are well documented by Yes, by let's, just, let's just leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, so so my. The the issue is, you know, you got Jabari who you signed for <laughs> for twenty million. Did did they watch Jabari last year? I mean, Jabari last year was not very good, and and they're thinking, okay, well, maybe Jabari coming home, playing in Chicago, he'll he'll get it together. Uh, it was just preseason, but man, he was awful uh, in that game against Milwaukee. Will he be I, introduced last? Uh, From Chicago, well, it was, it probably it was probably going to be marketing, but now he's out for two months. So who, I just B KP, I feel bad Wendell for Carter. Wendell, Wendell, he's Wendell, Carter. Got, Wendell Carter is going to be better than people think, but he's still rookie. But I just feel bad for for Fred Hoiberg in this sense. Uh, I, I I'd be stunned if Fred is there after the season. I think that all the stars are aligning for this team to just be not very good, which wow, uh, a lot of people expected. But the the key for Fred is uh, those checks are still going to cash, uh, and he's made a hell of a lot of money in Chicago, and they just need to figure out which way they're going because the way over they're under going of thirty. Right now, over under of thirty. Well, I, one I wouldn't t- when it was at twenty seven and a half. I didn't touch it because. Uh, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, why touch did it, it boost? It opened at twenty-seven and a half. It's gone to thirty. Why? Come on, you've been around the the Chicago fans for a long, long time, Mister Winhurst. These people vote early and often, and they These bet people. early and often. These people. and let's not and talk they about go voting. Into it. Let's not talk they, about they, voting in Chicago. <laughs> but they go into it believing that it's always going to be better than what it appears to be. And my point all, right. all along, on top of the fact that they don't play any defense. Is that this team is going to get to like midseason? They're not going to be very good, and they're going to go wait, 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 wait. Let's just tank away like we did last year, uh, line ourselves up for the right pick, uh, and start fresh. So I wouldn't touch that number, but at thirty, I'm going under because I don't believe that this team, with the offensive talent they have, is going to be any good at all defensively. And as our friend Zach Lowe pointed out, just because in theory you're good at offense. <laughs> it doesn't. We're bad at right, defense. Well, this, this podcast doesn't mean you're going to be good at offense. This podcast <laughs> is going over at this point. So uh, we got three tankers in the Hawks, twenty three and a half. They're fully in tank mode. Uh, we'll just be real quick here. Uh, is will Trey Young finish the top three voting of the uh, Rookie of the Year? No. I would say no. No. Uh, will the Will Luka Doncic make uh, make Trey Young? look bad all year long yes yes sort of unfair but it's probably true all right then the two new york teams the knicks over under is 28 by the way the hawks is 23 and a half i might take the under 
Um, the Knicks and, and Nets. The Nets are not trying to tank. This is actually their highest over-under probably in three or four years, uh, 32. I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, they were kind of messing around in the Jimmy Butler talks. I have no clue why. Um, unless they you know, were t- more for the future and they had to spend their money on somebody. Um, you know, at least they're, they've got control of their draft picks back. That's about all I can say about them. The Knicks, uh, are tanking and they should. They're over under is 28. Uh, Kevin Knox, they're gonna save. Kevin Knox is uh, somebody to watch this year. They're gonna save, um, uh, probably not even play, uh, Porzingis. You know, I'm not saying he wants to get a handful of games on the court near the end of the season, but it's very clear they're not going to rush him back, and they're going to save their cap space and take their hopeful lottery pick and uh, try to make a run at Durant and others. That's my viewpoint. you have any comments on those two teams before we wrap this up? Uh, I, I think if anyone's going to make a Pacers-like playoff run in the East this year, it would be Brooklyn. I kind of like this roster. Wow. Another team wow. That, I mean, they, they, they don't have the, – the top-end talent is not good. If you look at, like, no who kidding. these teams' best players is, they rank, like, 28th. But they're pretty deep. I like Ed Davis. Uh, so, so I think, you know, uh, DeMar Carroll was good for them. They could be decent, but they also might sell everybody off at the trade deadline. Their best player uh, is Spencer Dinwiddie. Who's not even started. Who the uh, Bulls cut for R.J. Hunter. Please remember. It was a, not a good decision. Um, uh, but <laughs> you honestly we, we believe that Ed Hornets. Davis is a difference-making player? No offense, to Ed Davis. <laughs> He's not a difference-making player. I'm just saying, like, if someone could have stun us in the East this year, I think well, Brooklyn has the best chance. This to be. feels like the kind it, it, of thing it would you stun say me when you're if you're going to go to Brooklyn like next week and you you want to get three rings. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that kind of Where's Kenny Atkinson at, baby? <laughs> uh, I think I think Jared Allen is a uh, is a guy to watch, um, but I don't think he's I think he's a nice role player. I don't think he's a star, but I could be wrong. Uh, uh, Nick, Brian, you have any? Yes, I don't think we got to Charlotte. Is the yeah, other thing. Oh, yeah. my bad. I apologize to all so, the Charlotte fans out there. Nick um, should but, feel good though because uh, Orlando clearly is not the most irrelevant team. If we just yeah, forgot Charlotte. Wow. <laughs> um. Well, okay. You have anything to say on the on the Nets, uh, Nick? First, Knicks or basketball Knicks? irrelevance. Knicks or Nets? The capital is New York, <laughs> and it's it's shocking. So sad. It is well, shocking. apparently it's not. Sad. Apparently, it the capital. Is sh- apparently, the capital is Charlotte because I was ready to close this. Uh, Charlotte's over under is thirty five and a half. They have, uh, they definitely have a team that should contend for the playoffs. Um, uh, Kemba Walker is sending Valentines to the to Charlotte and the and the Hornets uh, fan base and everything like that. And I I have no que- I have no doubt that he's being sincere. Um, can can they sign Kemba Walker to a to a hundred fifty to two hundred million dollar contract next year, Kevin Pelton? I just don't think they can. Uh, can can they and should they are different questions here. Well, I mean, they they did sign. This is a team that has that did give out some giant numbers to guys like um, Nick Batum. So yeah, I I mean, I think if he'd sign it, they did sign it. Uh, I I want to say something about the Hornets though that I don't think has been said for at least five years. I think they're going to miss Dwight Howard. Wow! Wow! Whoa! Is you know, everyone looked at like the, them not missing the play, making the playoffs last year, and kind of attributed it to him. But you know, they were much better with Cody Zeller off the court last year than they had been previously. 
when he got injured two years ago, it tanked their season. Now they're back to Frank Kaminsky, Bismack Biombo, and Billy Aaron Gomez as their backup oh. centers. And I don't feel oh, great about that right. if Zeller goes down, <laughs> which he usually does. Um, I just want to, I just want to point out, guys, that in the year of our Lord, 2018, when when one of the the top things we could say about a team is they're really going to miss Dwight Howard. That is <laughs> terrifying. That fan well, base has got to be like, oh my god, what are we doing over here? The oh. the Kaminsky and 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 Malik. Well, okay. I mean, what do you think of Malik Monk? I mean, <laughs> you know, it wasn't much of a rookie year. Kaminsky, Kaminsky, and Malik Monk. Those are well, your go-to. Th- these oh are these god. are top ten picks. These are top ten picks. <laughs> I think Malik, Malik Monk. He's like he's going to be one of those streak shooters off the bench, where he'll have a couple nights where he scores twenty five and he looks great, and everyone says Malik Monk, he's so terrific, and then don't pay attention to the next game when he goes zero for eight. Um, and exactly, Miles Bridges. KP. Miles Bridges has looked. He's had some moments in the preseason. I have no idea what it means, but he's had some. Yeah, moments. he has looked good. He's, he's looked very athletic. Thirty five and a half over under. Who cares? Wow. That hurts. Well, you sh- we should pick over because of Kaminsky's uh, photos the other day where the Charlotte Hornets passed <laughs> out that uh, that letter to all of the employees asking for the players' names, the wife name, and the girlfriend name. That's right. So. <laughs> uh, um, yes, yeah, so Stan Van so Gundy... Stan Van Gundy said this is clearly a misprint that there should have been multiple lines for girlfriend. That's what he said. Shout out to our colleague Stan. (laughs) That's right. He's definitely working the media side now. Uh, All right. Well, um, this podcast has gone on interminably, but thank you for listening. If you made it all the way to the end, pat yourself on the back. And uh, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Eastern Conference Preview. Mm -hmm.